Welcome to another episode of Garage Monologues on the public feed. I'm actually on the ball and getting to this on time, so you're kind of getting a one-two here. One last week, one this week. But of course, if you want to catch up on the entire season, season three, this is season two, episode five of season two today. Season three is also rolling forward over on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Swanson, grab a membership. All my patrons have access to my podcast as it comes out the whole season ahead. Um, but of course, if you're just enjoying being just a little bit behind the flow, that's fine. Today's episode is a bit of a doozy. Uh, I forgot about this one, and it's just getting some personal stuff that I've never really talked about. Um, I haven't gone into a lot of this detail publicly before, and so this is kind of me venturing into it as I deal with things in my personal life, in therapy, as I grow, as I try to evolve, you know, and um, and get out of my own way. So a little history, some uh, struggles. I'll just let you have it. Onward into this episode of Garage Monologues. I've been withholding a lot of things. I feel like from within my blog, this 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 episode is going to be, I think, good but challenging for me because, and probably not a surprise to anybody, to be honest. But like, I think, uh my whole vlogging experience, there are times where I've really launched myself into things that have scared me. And one of the things, one of the gifts of Garage Monologues originally, as they were originally came out, you know, back when I was actually standing. Oh, shh, Nikes. How about now? Oh, no, we didn't get any of that. Well, you got it on this camera, hopefully. Although the audio is going to be really low. <laughs> Technical problems. Garage monologues in their original form when I was actually standing around in my parents' garage was a gift in, in, in multiple senses. One to myself directly because like it helped me to hear myself think out loud. And I would sit down and I would edit and then I'd realize like, wow, this is not this is not how I want to see this situation. This is not how I want this to to def- I don't want this to define me. I don't want this to to be the way that I look at this struggle. And then I would go back and I would re-engage with it and approach the same problems, the same struggles with a little bit of better perspective and kind of inch my way towards how do I actually want to engage this, with this? How do I want to see it? And that was really, really helpful on that side. And the other side was that every time I shared anything that scared me, that I was worried that by sharing it, like I was making myself genuinely vulnerable, that people would judge me, would leave, would hate me, would whatever... My audience, you, uh, always were there to catch me. There's there's always like one or two detractors. There's always somebody who's going to just be a jerk. But the vast majority were there for it and were supportive and were good and kind. And it's something that I've gotten away from because I've let the fear really creep in and stop me from sharing openly and really in the ways that I used to, I think, a little bit better. That said, I always also still had filters. I've always still had uh, points at which I've stopped myself from from what could be oversharing, but I think is mostly just me being scared. I actually have some notes here because uh, last night I had a really good conversation. If you know Ashley and Dorian, um, Ashley was in the Making It vlog, among many others. Uh, Ashley Weston, a friend um, and stylist, so I get to see her whenever she comes through town. And Dorian, her husband, who's just a, uh, a brilliant business mind and uh, just a generous human being, somebody who's been really kind. And they were both very generous and kind to me by being honest and telling me that I was being boring. And Ashley told me I was being boring with uh, 
the the Corsica video that I made. The, I made a video about um, vacation. And it was like an experimental thing. I was experimenting a lot and, you know, trying different things. And I did one of those all voiceover. And she was like, I, we couldn't watch it. Like it was the, usually we enjoy your videos all the way to the end. And we just couldn't, we were bored. And, um, and I really appreciated that because it actually snapped me out of like, okay, like it was, it was kind of good timing with the coaching, which is something we have to talk about at some point as well. And all the good, just kind of progress that I've been making, like the way that I've been feeling excited to get back to vlogging to get back to diving into Paris all that stuff it was just the right time to hear that and be like you know what yeah let's scrap the rest of what I filmed for season nine like we can dip into that in the future for callbacks whatever else but let's just move on to season 10 and just launch right into it which is exciting and I, I was so ready for it and then Dorian last night uh dressed me down for like an hour about how these vlogs are also pretty boring and he has a point. I think that there's a lack for one of stories, narrative, like narrative structure. Like I don't have very good like story structure built into these vlogs because I kind of jumped back into like, hey, let's just see what happens today. And then didn't really put too much effort into following through. Like the lost wallet could have been a much bigger, longer storyline if I had leaned into that more. But I just kind of like, I was in a rush to go see Kate and that was what was more important in the moment. And then I missed a really good story opportunity. Uh, the puppy supplies like in the store being closed and everything going on with that could have really leaned into that more and for longer and made a better story out of that but I kind of again I had a lunch and I just kind of let that drop and I didn't go solve that problem and it's bad storytelling in that sense for sure the other side is this is like I've shied away from sharing some of the deeper like more profound parts of my life and it's one of the things that like came up the reason that I wanted to work with the coach that I was working with was because she came at a time where other people that I trusted people that I saw as as wise sage wiser than me um and including myself but I've been hearing this from a variety of friends for a while there are a lot of people that have met me that that when they get to know me they're like you know what like you you, this isn't this isn't the you that's in your vlog and what they mean by that is well they'll tell me what they mean by that but what they mean by that is that I, I don't show up in my vlog in like the depth the true depth of who I am whether that's my opinions or my experiences my past uh, there's a lot that I have to offer that I just pretty consistently pull back from I pull punches you see this probably in my vlog a lot, like I tease a lot. Um, I, I talk about things I want to talk about. I talk about things that are going to happen, and, and, then I, and then I pull back, and I don't share fully what I could share. And that's driven by a number of different fears. It's driven by a number of different, I don't know what, what all it is, and this is where I was like, I need help. And when the coach told me like exactly that kind of stuff, where she's like, you, the, you're not in your videos, is what she said. And then she kind of like hammered me with some stuff. And I was like, well, this is really true. And I really need this. And I, uh, I just, I, yeah, I was on board. This is what I'm trying to figure out. And I'm not doing a good job of it. And I'm here to talk about it because I think this is part of the, this is part of the process. I need to talk about it. And you being a patron, if you're watching and listening to this now while I'm in the midst of this, uh, thank you because you're, I owe it to you to do the best job that I can do with all of this and I appreciate all the support and I know that you're here no matter what most of you but I also know that I can do a much better job and 
I also know that I'm I'm withholding I'm withholding the best of myself. I'm withholding so much that I actually have to offer because I'm scared of different elements of my past, especially. I um I grew up and many if you you might you you've picked up on this and if you've read my book see the unknown you know some of this but I grew up you know a pastor's kid in eastern Washington state which is a fairly conservative part of a very progressive state um, and right next door to Idaho which is the opposite of progressive in so many ways and the Christian community that we grew up in and around that my parents tried to leave and they made steps but was like pretty hyper fundamentalist. They're actually driving like some pretty gnarly controversies of their own right now. This uh, church that they they were associated with for a while, and I grew up with these guys, these pastors, and uh, and members of those congregations. And to give you an example, I mean, one of the guys is infamous for having written a paper about how um, African Americans were happier when they were enslaved. This is the kind of quality people we're talking about. So my parents thankfully took a step away from that. They, they obviously don't believe that stuff. And, um, and my, they actually belonged to an organization called Christians for Biblical Equality, which is uh, an egalitarian movement that's trying to uh, get the church to see women as human, <laughs> trying to get to see them as, as equal to men. Um, so I grew up in, that, in that, that household that was very actively like, you know, pro-woman. We can talk about that. We're going to talk about all this stuff. I feel like we need to talk about all this stuff. Like I've been holding back and we've got tons to dive into over time. But we, you know, that actually was kind of problematic too because my mom didn't really raise me. They talked about equality, but my mom actually raised me to worship women basically. Like she put women on a pedestal. So that was not great. But all of that to say that a lot of the fears that have kind of kept me from sharing a lot of stuff uh, there's a lot of reprisal, fear of reprisal. There's a lot of fear of, um, I mean, even just cosmic repri- reprisal, right? Like I, um, I grew up thinking that I was being watched all the time. And I also grew up with a mom again, who wasn't about to support me if I got myself into trouble. She actually told me once that she, when she prayed, she, she prayed that I would get caught if I was getting into any trouble. Like she wasn't, she wasn't there to support me. Wasn't there to walk me through it or teach me, you know, how to, get out of trouble or not get in, you know, whatever. She just like, she just prayed that I'd get caught. Yeah, I can go to jail. That's fine or whatever. So, um, you know, I kind of had this vibe that like, okay, I got to toe the line. Being a pastor's son obviously puts you in the limelight as well and keeps you, keeps you really from wanting to, to step out of line. I mean, it's obvious one or the other, either you go nuts or you go really rigid. And I went, I went fairly rigid and I leaned into the, the whole church thing a lot. And I just kind of took on that mantle of like, I need to be an upstanding citizen, uh, for the good of the community, for the good of my parents. Um, so there was that as well. And then ultimately, like, I, I do think, and I know I am a very spiritual person and I, I have, a lot of thoughts and a lot of ruminations. I mean, I've, I've thought a lot and long and hard and deep about a lot of things that, you know, not to say that I'm like an expert on anything, but I definitely have a lot more to offer in those arenas than I allow myself to. And the fear of that is also because I grew up in this like really legalistic, genuinely not great, not healthy environment that, um, that when I left it behind, I really wanted to leave it behind. And that included all like all elements of like spirituality and 
like anything remotely like close to offering advice, life, life advice, um, my opinions on a lot of things. I just, I didn't, I fell so hard into these things and, and I was so self-righteous for so long that I was really worried that I would bring that to the table if I was ever to be particularly opinionated, particularly opinionated about, um, you know, the more important elements of life. I feel like I, I spent so much of my life being certain that I knew what was right and that I had the answers that when I realized those weren't necessarily the answers, there's truth in a lot of what I believed, but there was absolutely a lot of really bad stuff in there too. Quick aside here, thanks for listening to Garage Monologues. Just a reminder that all of these podcasts, my videos, everything has been supported directly by my patrons for all of these years. They make it possible in the first place. So thank you to my patrons for doing that. If they're listening to this, which they might not be because they already heard this episode like five or six months ago over on patreon.com slash jswanson. There's a members only podcast feed. You can listen to it not only on Patreon, but on your podcasting app. Your preference, I believe, depending on what your preference is. It's super crazy. Maybe not, but... Go and try that out. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Jay Swanson. Thanks again to my patrons for making this possible. And to you for listening. And uh, now back to the episode. There's truth in a lot of what I believed, but there was absolutely a lot of really bad stuff in there too. Man, I mean, like, yeah, once you realize that about yourself, like you've fallen down a rabbit hole. I don't know if you're familiar with um, like Christian theology or the Bible, and I don't intend to bore you to death with any anything here, but if you are or aren't, but the prodigal son is the story about this uh, kid that decides he wants his inheritance and he's going to go to his dad. He's going to say, dad, basically, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. I'm leaving. So his dad cuts up his estate and gives him his third between himself his and the two sons. And the younger son, in this case, leaves with his inheritance. And the older son pretty pissed about this because he's he's st- sticking around he's working he's he's not trying to shortcut his way past all of this he's being a good son he's you know upstanding citizen the younger son goes and parties the money away over the course of a few years um i don't even remember how long but he goes and he parties the money away and finds himself impoverished and slopping for pigs which is not great for a, a jewish boy to be feeding pigs and craving the food that they're eating and so he decides for himself you know, I'm, I'm just going to humble myself and go back to my father and ask for a job because at least he can give me that. Like, at least I can, I know he'll have some pity on me, I hope. So he goes absolutely humbled and his father sees him coming from afar and runs to greet him and grabs him and hugs him and welcomes him in, gives him, puts a ring back on his finger and gives him a robe and throws a feast and slaughters the fattened calf, the whole nine yards. And... The older brother sees this and is furious because he's like, I never left. I've been here this whole time. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. There's no party for me. Like, so he refuses to go into the party. And the father sends out multiple envoys, multiple people, servants, whatever, to say, hey, come on in. Ha- join us. Your brother's back. Let's celebrate. And he doesn't. And when I was a kid, um, I totally bought in to the older brother's side of things. I was like, this is, this is bullshit. Like, how does this younger brother go he spits in their eye takes their money blows it comes back and then they throw a party for him and it's just like nothing ever happened and i really struggled to see 
why this was this, why I, I I never understood it as a kid, like what even the point of this story was. And as an adult, there was a, a very famous pastor in the U.S. called Tim Keller, who I used to love listening to, and. He did a whole series on it, and he said, it's not the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of the prodigal God. Like, it's a generous God that's giving. And if the prodigal, the word prodigal, in case uh, that one's lost on anyone, is basically kind of like to spend with reckless abandon. Like, it's um, almost, an, it's an irresponsible word almost. And he turns that back around, and he says, you know, the generosity of God is is what's prodigal. It's He's, he's going above and beyond anything you would ever expect in this situation, being the father in this story. And the story itself is not being told to anybody who is a younger brother. The story is being told to older brothers. Like Jesus, when he's telling this story, is looking at a bunch of Pharisees, a bunch of religious elites who are legalistic and so far up their own asses that they can't see that they're actually very far from God because their self-righteousness has driven them there. And when I realized that I was one of those guys... And that's where I'd been my entire life. Like I've been trying to live right. I've been trying to do the right thing. I've been trying to be righteous my whole life. Like everything, everything that I'd believed in, 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 in a sense was a lie. Like I'd missed the entire point of grace. I'd missed the entire point of um, what it meant to be even just a half decent person. And I'd traded that all in for a false sense of security in my religiosity and coming to that kind of a realization is one of the more earth-shattering things i think that can happen in someone's life at least in my life because my whole identity was wrapped up in that and then i realized that it was the exact opposite of what i had of what i had always wanted what i'd always thought i was i was the villain when i thought that i was the good guy the whole time which sounds dramatic, but I mean, from I mean, if you look at it biblically, that's exactly what it is. Like, as far as uh, as far as Jesus was concerned, and so when you find that the guy you've been claiming to follow your whole life actively uh, discouraged that behavior, if not downright, the the single group of people that you could argue that Jesus hated was that group of people. It's time to drop everything and kind of back away for a minute, and I did, and I've actually had a really hard time reapproaching anything remotely related to spirituality, period. Not to forget Christianity for a minute. Forget like all my experiences in West Africa and the struggles that I had in coming back to the States and seeing, you know, going to church and all that stuff. I, I let it all go. And because of that, I didn't have the same kind of foundation. I, I, I spent so much of my life being so self-assured and so ready and willing to tell you what was right kindly i think i think I, I did it with a smile i don't think anybody necessarily thought of me as being a self-righteous piece of crap although i definitely had some friends that looked at me like how can you believe some of the things the things you're saying don't make sense and uh, so there was a lot of cognitive dissonance in there and we can talk about that we should talk about it um i think it's important to talk about this stuff and that's the point is i think it's important to talk about this stuff and i talk about this stuff privately with friends and with people that i meet but i, I don't talk about this stuff publicly because i'm scared um, I'm scared of where I've been. I'm embarrassed about who I was. I'm ashamed of the way that I behaved in so many circumstances. And to cop to that publicly is, I mean, that's a lot, right? 
but I also think it's important because I think that if I want to be a decent human being in my, my circumstances, a lot of that comes down to leading from example and whether that means like trying to approach and redefine masculinity or spirituality or just, you know, we have to figure out for ourselves, what does it mean to be a good person? It's, uh, it turns out there's, it's not written in the sky. Uh, there's no universal truth to that one. Although there are definitely, I think, foundational elements that we can, that we can build on universally. I think there is, but all that to say, if I'm going to do the best job I can do, with the life that I've been given, then I need to stop being scared and I need to start engaging with this. So if that means shedding light on some skeletons in my closet or just being honest about how I am scared, it's a combination of things that I would really like to figure out. And I know it's kind of funny to think that this all came from being dressed down for being boring, but the fact is that there are so many people in my life that have tried to tell me I need to get out of my own way in different ways. And it's so hard to do. And even right now, like I know that I can do a better job with my vlogging, my storytelling, my everything, but it's amazing how hard it is to, even if you see what you need to do, like to actually comprehend it and to walk into it. One of the things that like I, um, for me, this is related. I was thinking about this last night because uh, Dorian's, ass whooping was severe and left me with lots to think about, which is good. You need friends in your life who will send you to bed exhausted emotionally. It's really good. And I'm really grateful. And Dorian, if you ever hear this or see this, thank you so much for kicking my ass. There's a good twice a year ass kicking that, that Dorian gives me. And it's always about something that I don't want to hear. And that's exactly why you need it. And that's why I need, I need people like him in my life. And I'm grateful to have him. Um, when I was starting therapy, uh, I, you know, I knew that I had to deal with stuff with my mom. I, I brought that up. Like, I was like, I know that I got to deal with stuff here. Like, I know that the root I've been dealing with, I've been coming to grips with and like coming to understand my struggles and my relationship with my mom um, over the course of the previous five years or decade maybe. It was a slow process, but I knew that I couldn't do it on my own anymore. I knew that I, I was, I, there was something, I just, you know, I just, I was like, I need help. And it's funny because you know, when you know you need help, but you don't know anything more than that, it's an amazingly vulnerable place to be because like I walked into therapy and, and within a couple sessions, it might've been like the second session, I remember she walked me up I had this feeling where she walked me up and asking me questions to this massive gray space in my like emotional life in my being, like where I walked up to this thing that was, that was so big and so overwhelming and just gray. I couldn't see it really. I couldn't taste it or touch it. I couldn't define it. It's just there. And she walked me all the way up to it. And then I couldn't go any farther. I didn't, and I just didn't understand what was happening, really. I, I was just like, this is, this is as far as I can go. And it was a truth, it was a realization that I don't really have a relationship with my mom. I've tried my entire life to be a good son and to be engaged with her and to make her proud and to do right by her. To, you know, I've defined myself by being a good son, partially, for my whole life. And then to walk up to this 
realization that like I don't have the other half of that. Like my mom is not a part of this was so much that I couldn't actually, I could not internalize it. Like I couldn't comprehend it. And I remember walking slowly out of her office and very slowly down the stairs. She's on the seventh floor of the building she's in. So it's a lot of stairs to walk down. It's like eighth floor in American. So it's like the, just the, the longest walk down. And, and for a number of sessions, I would take that walk down intentionally just to go slowly and like process not even actively, just passively, just let your subconscious like struggle with whatever's going on. And I feel like that's kind of where I'm at professionally in a way, not nearly that dramatic in a sense, like it's not coming to any real dramatic realizations, although clearly I need to have more drama in my titles and thumbnails, but that's kind of where I'm at and where I'm scared and why I'm bringing this to you because it's time for that to change. It's time for me to engage in ways that I haven't. Um, and the fears that I have are that people are going to leave. Like if I'm honest, if I'm open, if I share my fears, my embarrassments, my shames, you know, all these things, the real genuine fear is that, you know, friends will leave me and family will, and, you know, they, and like mild abandonment complex, I guess, but those are those fears that I don't, I don't believe in and I'm calling out and I'm being honest about and, um, it's time to just engage and lean in. And you know what? Like if I, if I lean in and if I'm honest and, and, and vulnerable and it results in people leaving, tell me, as we would say in French, but you know, all the better, like what? Okay, fine. Like let's, let's just, I'd rather be surrounded by people that, that actually cared and wanted to go deep and wanted to, wanted to engage with this stuff. Obviously I can't engage with the individuals that are listening to this on the other side. That's the whole group dynamic thing, right? That we've talked about, we should probably talk about, I'm scared to talk about that too. We should probably talk about that at some point as well. We have a whole laundry list of things that we haven't talked about in depth that it's time to start talking about. And you know, on that front, it's like, I, I, I wish that I grew up like leading small groups and all the way into through college and into mercy ships and wherever else. Like I, I, I've always found myself in kind of this leadership position in spiritual instances. And, um, and that's also a struggle for me now because I can't engage with the individuals that are listening to this. I can't engage with like hundreds of people. Um, especially not on like a deep level like this. However, if I can somehow be a, positive part of other people processing what they're going through, what they've been through because I'm doing so openly and publicly, then I think that that's valuable. I think that if I were to do it in a way that like, I don't want to like engender less, like I don't want to engender anything that's unhealthy. Like as far as like, uh, Oh, we're building like a special community and blah, blah, blah. Like I think that we can do that as long as there's a support structure among individuals within the group. I think it's cool how people have connected and so forth, but I think the danger, and I've seen this again, speaking of fears, cults of personality when it comes to like this, like the cool pastor that everybody likes to go into, but nobody can connect with because he has hundreds of people in his church and, um, and genuinely he can't really offer anybody anything. And I see so much danger and unhealth in that, that, that that's another fear. And I find myself in a similar position, strangely enough, like where I have the audience, I have the ear of thousands of people, the audience of a lot of people that, like, again, I, I can never connect with personally, um, but I, I can offer something from the quote unquote pulpit. My goodness, we're, we're pulling a lot of Christianese into this. I'm so sorry for anybody who is, is, uh, is either offended by it or not tracking along with it, but I'm genuinely, I understand the power 
of all of this of like spirituality and vulnerability and trying to speak truth and trying to encourage people to offer a benediction as it were. There's a lot of power in it and I think it can be good and it can be healthy. I also think, and I've seen how it can be very unhealthy and abused. I do not want to abuse anything that I've been given. I've been making wait. I've been making Cooper wait for his food this entire time. He's been very good. He just whimpered for the first time in like 40 minutes. So I should probably let him have his lunch here soon. Anyways, that was a, a random distraction, but like, just so you know that like these things are really important to me and I'm, I'm very, very cautious and I've been over cautious and we need to not throw caution to the wind, but I need to, I need to engage and I want to offer what I have to offer. It's one of those things again, that like multiple people all at the same time a few weeks ago told me, Hey, uh, yeah, I finally seen your videos. Like you're not in them. And it's true. And like my coach saying, Hey, you're like, you're a really, spiritual person you have so much to offer here and you're not why are you not and it's all fear and so i'm going to step out and try to engage with that fear i'm going to do my best to offer you what i have to offer and we're going to see where it goes from there okay you can take it all right i just let him have his food um that's it for now i guess what interests you most out of my history, the past, what we were talking about there? Just let me know. I don't know. I'm genuinely pretty scared to put this out there. I'm going to be scrapping. I don't know. I, I made a vlog that I don't even know if I should put it together because it feels like, yeah, is it, is it just more of the boringness? Like, I'm going to engage with this. We're going to figure it out. Like, I'm committed to figuring this out. So that's that's all that really matters. But let me know what you think. I might just make that vlog and make it patron only and just leave it there for because it was fun to make. But yeah, I know it's time to it's I, I broke I, I can't throw season nine in the trash and just make the same mistakes in season 10 or make worse mistakes in season 10. Like the vlogging. It's got to it's got to get better. Everything's got to get better. So I have a heavy heart today, but I feel encouraged. I'm really glad I can share this with you. Um, and yeah. If nothing else, at least, at least, at least I'm feeling a little bit better and uh, hopefully there's some connection points here for you, but if not, well then, uh, you know, I guess at least I tried. And I just had the most random thought when I'm looking at my computer here. Like if you plug a USB port into another USB port in your own computer, will it explode? No, probably not. Anyways. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Sunny Greenwich, as always, for the uh, theme song. Thanks to my patrons. All of you have been amazing, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for your patience, for your willingness to wait for me to figure my stuff out. And, uh, and hopefully your investment in me pays off. Has, hopefully it's already paid off, but hopefully it pays off in the future, too. I'm going to go uh, play with the puppy now for a minute, and then I'll see you around. <laughs>